Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is the video version of my Tech Guy podcast. These shows originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Saturday and Sunday, May 14th and 15th. You're about to see the best of episodes 769 and 770. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the Tech Guy. And it's time. Yes, it's time for that show. Yeah, that's okay. I'm sure there's something better on another channel. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know. Leave me. I know. You don't want to hear about the latest in technology. You don't really care about cell phones or computers or the internet. That's okay. But if you do, if you like a little hand-holding on the information superhighway, if you'd like to know a little bit about the stuff that's changing our world, hey, this is the place. And by the way, your calls are more than welcome. They're make what makes the show. So I invite you to go to 8888 Ask Leo. Phone that number. It's 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. Outside the U.S. We always get calls from around the world, which is wonderful. Uh, you can uh, call that via Skype out. The new Microsoft Skype out. 888-827-5536. Easier to remember, 8888-ASK-LEO. You'll find that at our uh, website, too, techguylabs.com. Yeah, Microsoft bought Skype. Nobody can figure out why. For $8.5 billion. Um, <laughs> shake your head. Now, it's, no, I mean, this is, these are coins that Bill Gates finds in the couch for him. This isn't, I mean, we're not talking something Microsoft can't afford, but it is a little high, don't you think? Everybody was shocked when Skype sold in 2000, was it 2005 to eBay for $1.7 billion? You know, it's funny. After all of the, um, all of the kind of criticism that Meg Whitman and eBay got for buying Skype for that outrageous amount of money, they made money. eBay sold 70% uh, of uh, its investment in Skype uh, to uh, a variety of investment firms. Uh, last year, kind of getting out from under there, but they still retained 30%. 30% of $8.5 billion <laughs> is more than $1.7 billion. Yes, indeed. They actually made some pretty good money. They made some some bucks on that purchase. I say, you know, a billion dollars in uh, five or six years. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Mark Andreessen, the guy who created Netscape, he made half a billion dollars on the sale. So the question is, why, Microsoft? Why? And if you're a Microsoft stockholder, you might really be asking that question. Uh, they don't need it. They've already got something that does exactly the same thing in uh, MSN uh, Messenger. They have video. They have chatting. Some say, well, this way they gain how many is it? How many customers does Skype have? It's almost a billion, isn't it? Something like that. So uh, maybe it was for the customer base. Robert X. Cringely has an interesting theory, which I kind of subscribe to. You know, the other suitors for Skype were Facebook and Google. Facebook dropped out pretty quick. They couldn't afford it. We got too rich. Google looked at it, thought about it. They had turned down an a, a off, offer to uh, buy Skype uh, some years ago and uh, I think decided once again not to. But it scared the, according to Cringely, and I think he's right, the, the pants. Can you scare the pants off a, a company? It scared the pants off Microsoft 
because uh, if Google gets Skype, it's all over in the telephone business, which I guess Microsoft wants to be in. They spend enough money to say they want to be in it. I think the best the best player in this, the one who could have used Skype, the problem is, see, Microsoft, I don't think they'll even use it. I think they'll just kind of, they'll take the customer base. They'll, somebody in the chat room said, yeah, they're going to rename it Skype Live Messenger. <laughs> Sorry, Skype Live, Skype Home Live Messenger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> I think they just kill it. I think it goes away slowly. Maybe they leave it around, but it's not a big product. Google didn't need it either. They had Gizmo and other products simpler, easier. They have Google Talk. It's about the customer base. But Facebook, Facebook could have really used it. Imagine. In fact, I would like to have seen this. A button next to Facebook's chat that says, oh, you want, it, you want video too? I mean, it's just, it's what they needed. But they couldn't afford it. The, the bidding got so high, so rich, so fast that uh, Facebook just had to bow out. I think maybe they're hoping their buddies, their good pals at uh, Microsoft might help them out. Microsoft, did you know Microsoft owns part of Facebook? Maybe. Maybe they would they would lay some lay some Skype love on Facebook. I don't know. I don't know. Microsoft paid fourteen dollars and seventy cents per user for Skype. Four <laughs> but when eBay bought Skype in two thousand five, they paid forty five bucks a user. So it, it's a good deal. If you use Skype, you're worth fourteen dollars and seventy cents to Microsoft. $14.70. That's, that's kind of, you know, Microsoft put uh, quite a bit of money into Facebook. When they bought into Facebook, Facebook had 100 million users. So they paid 150 bucks per user to get Facebook. So Skype, you know, 17, 14, 15 bucks per user, that's a good deal. How long will it take Microsoft to make $8.5 billion? Eh, about a four months. Still, it's four months. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> I don't know. Four months, it's like buying a wedding ring, right? They say you should invest uh, four, <laughs> three months' salary into a wedding ring. There you go, or an engagement ring. I uh, I think that's uh, an interesting play. I really do hope they let uh, Facebook use it. Now, I'm not really a, bi a big fan of Facebook these days. Did you hear? There are a couple of big stories that I, we will talk a lot about today uh, in Facebook. There's one that's getting all the press. And frankly, I don't know why the press is so interested in this. Apparently, uh, Facebook hired uh, a very well-known PR firm, Burstyn Marsteller, to spread dirt about Google, to place articles on blogs saying bad things about Google and privacy. To, I think, essentially, not to really slam Google so much as to distract people from the privacy issues at Facebook. Oh, Google's worse. And they got caught. So, yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> they put articles on blogs that hadn't been up for, <laughs> for years. They, they paid bloggers. They tried to pay one blogger. This is how they got uh, caught. The blogger said, what? And went public with it. So this was inevitable. They were going to get caught. It was just dumb. Whoever thought this up at Facebook, dumb. And that's getting all the press. And you know what? Too bad because that's not uh, as important a story to you and me as the fact that Facebook has been leaking our private information to just about anybody through applications for years. Inf everything that's on your Facebook page for years. 
to uh, to so, so it's kind of complicated. But basically, what happened is if you install an application on Facebook and look in your Facebook settings, you'll see you probably have hundreds installed. I do. Anytime you say to a, to a web application or a, an iPhone app, yeah, it's okay to use Facebook. That, in effect, is installing an application on Facebook. That application has access to all your Facebook data, but accidentally, by sharing a link to your data with other people, that application can leak out the token that allows those other people, those third parties, to get to your Facebook page and see everything that's on there. Basically, opens up your page, regardless of privacy settings, to anybody who gets this link. Now, Facebook says, well, we're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to fix that. And we have no evidence that it happened. And by the way, it would be against the terms of service. Oh, that's good. That'll protect you. It's against our, ter it's against our terms of service to do that. The only way to fix this, by the way, there may be people out there who have your token still, whether inadvertently or intentionally collected. The only way to fix this is to change your Facebook password. So not a bad idea to do that regularly anyway. might be a good time to change your Facebook password. But I wish that Facebook were saying more about this, that the independent, so-called independent media were saying more about this. That's more important than whether Facebook hired a PR firm to slime Google. Your, all your Facebook information being leaked out for years? That seems to be more important to me. 8888-ASK-LEO. There's so much to talk about. We, uh, we have a, Google has some big announcements like their Google Music that happened this week. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Apple and Google will be going to Congress to testify about privacy. Hey, privacy is going to be a big topic, isn't it? 8888-ASK-LEO. Let's talk about that and anything else on your mind. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Forbes Magazine. <laughs> Well, all you have to do is invent a voiceover internet service, sell it to eBay, then sell it to Microsoft. The guys who created Skype, I don't know how much they finally got, but it was more than a, more than a billion. They did all right. They did all right. That's, and of course, that just, fuels, that just fuels the gold rush mentality in the Silicon Valley. And people just go crazy, you know. Oh, I want to. I've got an idea. I mean, it's it's funny. People sometimes wonder, are we in a bubble these days? Oh, I should say hello, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Just so in case you just tune in, are we are we in a bubble these days? But with the the value of these of these internet companies that make no money just through the roof, and um, it's hard to say. You know, we're not in the kind of bubble that we were in in 1999. When all these uh, big uh, stock offerings were going off, that's that was the bubble when stock valuations went through the roof. Most of these companies are not publicly held. You can't buy stock on Facebook unless you know somebody, right? So how can you say it's a bubble? I don't know. I don't know. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. What do you think? I don't give stock advice. I, in fact, uh, because I cover the industry, I recuse myself from owning stocks in the tech sector. Because I don't want I don't want to have there be any you know suspicion that I'm saying good or bad things about a company because I do or do not own their stock. So I own no stock, and and you know what I'm glad because it's crazy. I don't I couldn't predict how something's going to do. I mean it's just it's beyond my ken. Doesn't make any sense to me. Let's get to our first call from Dartmouth, Angela Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Angela. Hey, Leo. How's it going? Wonderful. Dartmouth, where? In Nova Scotia. Oh, our Nova Scotian. How are you? 
Um, I was wondering, uh, a while back you, you answered this for another film, and I don't remember quite what you, what you advice, all the advice you gave him about it. Um, my friend's got a Facebook page, and she's let it kind of get out of hand in a way that, uh, like, she's a, a local country singer in town here, and she's got fans and friends and family oh, all... mixed and intermixed. Yeah. Yeah, and she wants to separate it, but she was wondering if she could change her profile, her, uh, her, you know, what was her personal page into a fan page, or will she have to close it down and kind of just start over? Uh, you can do it. Uh, okay. it's, uh, first of all, she should create the fan page now. But she's, she's done that. She's got the fan page, okay. And uh, after you get, I think it's 20, 20 or 30 likes on that fan page, then you can go to facebook.com slash username and pick, gotcha. and pick a, a good username. Uh, preferably her name or an act or whatever, because that's the one you want to make it easy for people to find. So, for instance, I am, <laughs> I couldn't get Leo Laporte, so I am facebook.com slash the Leo Laporte. Okay. And, and so if you go there, you won't get my personal page. I made the same mistake, and what happens is the personal uh, page on Facebook is limited to 5,000 friends. So okay. you hit that, and two things happen. First of all, you can't ha have any more, and the second thing that happens is you can't really use Facebook because it's no longer a personal page it's you know it's yeah. a public page yeah that's what she kind of she realized she 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 gets in the she gets a little too friendly and she gets realized that it's just because they ask she she agrees and she realized lot she was saying to me last night she's like how do i separate this all out because yeah. <laughs> she was thinking could she change her easy she was thinking she could easily if she could easily change the page that she's got into uh, a fan page. Um, you know, if you know somebody at Facebook, I know people who've done this. Kevin Rose, uh, who founded Dig.com, did this. We all made the same mistake because in the, in the early days of Facebook, there wasn't a fan page or a business mm -hmm. page. Those things didn't exist. Uh, so he, there is a tool that Facebook has that you can move people over, but you have to know somebody. I don't think they just offer that. So what yeah. I would suggest you do is, um, she or she do, is put up a status post on her page saying, Man, I'm having so much fun connecting with my fans on my fan page or my business page. Please like it. Because that's nowadays all you have to do to get to, to people to join that page is they press the like button, right? Mm -hmm. So that will move them over to the like page. Then uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a week or two, uh, after your fans are starting to join the other page, you might put a notice on your status page. Hey, I've decided to make this page be my personal page. Please like my other page, and I'll continue to post updates there, and then slowly unfriend people you don't know. It might take a little while. How many, how many friends does she have on that page? Oh, she's got a couple hundred. Oh, that she won't really take that long. That's not as bad as 5,000. <laughs> yeah. no, she, she really got carried away. And I thought that, like you said, about the, I, re, I was telling her about uh, putting a, kind of like a post on her personal page. People will understand that, saying, oh, you know, I, you know, I, I screwed up. <laughs> I made this personal page be my, you know, my uh, my business page, and I and I would prefer to uh, have you go over there. But you know, there's ways to do it, kind of, you know, gently move people over there. Um, yeah, she, she's, not, she's not very techy, so she was like looking for the easiest easiest way to get it done. She's really not tech savvy at yeah, all. Yeah, I would just I would ask people to like. Like your fan page, that's all. And, you know, as people who do use these automated tools that uh, Facebook came up with really m kind of angered people because it automatically 
moves them over to the fan page and, and kills them on your personal page. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do anyway. If it's just a few hundred people, do it by hand. And if you're starting a page for your business, this is a good lesson. It does have to be tied to an existing Facebook account. So you are going to create a Facebook account. It, could, it can be your personal account. That's fine. But uh, don't publicize that personal page. Don't friend people you... I think in general on Facebook, it's best to friend people you know. Like in, re in real life. Yeah, she, she kind of got carried away. She knows people that are her friends, so she, she, she doesn't want to hurt nobody's feelings. It's very hard because it really, you know, now they change the button. It used to be, I can't remember what it used to be, reject or something. Now it's ignore. But even then, that's harsh. Somebody says, hey, I'd like to be your friend. Ignore them. Does that what it says? Yeah. Or is it says, it says defer it? It says it's, it's a little harsh still. So. Yeah, have something a little more, uh, like a little sep more of a separation between yes and no. <laughs> yeah. I, what does it say now? I think they, it used to say, yeah, it used to say, it used now. to say ignore, right? <laughs> That's yep. really rude. Um, yeah. Now it says, oh, well, now it says not now. <laughs> oh, I didn't Yeah, so they change friend requests. You have a button that says confirm or not now. That's a little, I mean, it's just as harsh. It's the same exact result as saying ignore. Mm. But uh, <laughs> but it's a little, a little more, way. well, it's for you because they don't know. All, all that happens is nothing to, for, for the people who request. Um, there should, look at this stinks. This is a, a stinky system. I'm not, I have to say, I, if, I wish, I deleted my Facebook account once about a year ago. Uh, and it was so satisfying. Uh, but I can't uh, in good conscience talk about Facebook if I haven't, if I don't use it a little bit. It's a challenge for me because I really don't want to use it. I don't, I don't trust them. We know that everything you post on Facebook now will leak out. You cannot control it. Yeah, they'll fix this hole. They say they have. But there's going to be another one. You should always, and tell kids this, always assume that anything you post on Facebook, even though there's the primus, promise of privacy, is ultimately not private. Think of it as anything you put on the Internet. Even if you think you're putting it in a private space, assume it will leak out. Uh, so I tell kids all the time, don't put anything there that you wouldn't want your parents, your friends, your teachers, your future employers to see, the FBI. If it's on the Internet, they will see it. I wish there was something we could do about Facebook, but we, we just have to live with it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Angela, I hope you're still listening. I hope your friend, the country artist, is listening. And I thank our friends in the chat room who pointed me to, a, this is one of the reasons I have to keep a Facebook account to understand how this stuff works. Facebook has, in fact, got a way to convert a profile into a page. Uh, a couple of ways you could find this information. <laughs> Not obvious. You can go to the Facebook Health, Help Center. So if you go to your Facebook account and you, uh, under the account menu on the right, far right, you select Help Center, and then type in, what can we help you with? And type in convert a page. I've tried a number of things. Uh, and the convert a page seems to give you the result. And enter search. And you'll, uh, well, no, mm -mm. convert to a page. See, now that didn't work. Their search is terrible. Maybe if you Google it. Yeah, Googling it will probably work. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> there is, I'll give you the URL, it's long. We'll put it in the show notes too at techguylabs.com. Facebook.com slash pages slash create dot PHP question mark migrate. But it, oh, yeah, yeah. 
It is a tool that says profile to business page migration. And then you pick what kind of a page you are. Local business company, brand or product, artist, band or public figure. That's what, Angela, that's what your friend, the country singer, probably to use. Entertainment, cause or community. And you press that button. And what it does, it says, at this time, only your profile photo and friends, and that's what you wanted to do, will be moved to your new page. No other content will be moved. You will still be able to log in from your original email address and password. I would click learn more because <clears throat> this may have side effects she doesn't like. And again, it's not as friendly, perhaps, as doing it uh, manually. So what I would still do, even knowing that this tool exists, is I would first say uh, in a status update on your page, hey, I want to uh, make this page be a personal private page and move everybody to my fan page. Please like this, and it'll move you over and do that. And then maybe a week later, do it again and say, hey, next week I'm going to move everybody else who hasn't been moved. The problem is not only will your fans be moved, your friends, everybody's going to be moved. So I would look carefully and see if this is exactly what you want. It might still be better to do it manually. But there is a tool, a migration tool, uh, available from Facebook. Who knew, right? This is I, Some of this is, is, uh, is just the nature of a very successful site. This is part of Facebook's problem is they have 700 million users. They have a huge complex system, very complex. I mean, privacy settings alone, uh, hundreds of them. And so, you know, there's stuff in here that um, you'd, have, you'd have to be a Facebook expert to know. And they change it all the time, so you'd have to kind of constantly be looking for this. So uh, there you go. Thank you, Angela. And Perry in Lompoc, California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello. How are you, Leo? I, I'm, Thank you. I'm Thank well, you. Perry. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Um, I have a question about my HD TV and what it is is that I notice sometimes the signal gets really bad and fuzzy uh, especially on demand uh, especially like the sci uh, science channels you know discovery history channel etc where you will have a person who has uh, some shimmering in their hair and it just it over shimmers Right. You know? What you're seeing is uh, digital artifacting. Now, it, it, the thing that's a little different nowadays is that we don't really, most of the time, have analog channels. I would guess by now that, are you on cable or satellite? I'm on cable. Yeah. Um, cable, a satellite has no analog channels, but cable still had some analog channels until recently. But m almost all of cable is digital, which means it's highly compressed and sent to you instead of uh, in analog waveform, but in, in packets. That means it either works or doesn't work. You know, yeah. that, that's one nice thing. Analog degrades a little bit. So that's why I remember on the old TV sets, you'd see ghosting or snow. Mm -hmm. That was an analog signal that wasn't, uh, was imperfect. And so you w you'd still have a picture. You just wouldn't have a great picture. Digital, it's, it works or not. However, yeah. however, it sounds like those science channels are being over-compressed. Now, this could either be the channel itself, but much more likely is your cable company. And when it's really compressed, you start to see what we call digital artifacting, exactly what you just described, shimmering in hair, strange kind of blurry effect. It's hard to describe it. You, when you see it, you know it. Sometimes it's a blockiness. You know what you should look at is solid colors, especially black, like a black night sky, and see if you see blocks. When it's a solid color, the compression algorithm takes chunks at a time, and what you get is instead of a smooth color is you'll get a blocky color, and that's where you really see it. You'll even see that sometimes on, 
uh, on DVDs and, and Blu-ray and, and, and uh, certainly on streaming video from Netflix and things like that. So if you're seeing that, that's what's going on. Yeah, you know, I, I also wondered, too, um, you talked oh, more than a year ago with the uh, the HD uh, gentleman that comes on later. Scott later Wilkinson on. will be on tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, and you, you talked about the importance of the HDMI cables. Yeah, I mean, it's there's companies like Monster that will sell you $150 HDMI cables. I have not seen any demonstration that these are better, certainly uh, on normal lengths. I guess if you get really long, it could make a difference. But anything yeah. anything up to, say, 15 feet, a cheap cable is exactly as good as an expensive cable. Ah, uh, I see, I see. I mean, if well, you, you, have, you can, you can, this could be created by a bad cable, uh, mm -hmm. if it, or a loose, if it's a loose connection. But again, digital usually works or not. So typically, yeah. if you're seeing artifacting, that is because the cable company is over-compressing it, recompressing it. So I would, I would contact your cable company and complain. Okay. You might, they may actually roll a truck out and give you a new box, because that could be something going on with the box. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we can also, you know, uh, drive down just a couple miles here and, uh, you know, go to their office here and get a new one. You know? They know what's going on. They're over-compressing it. Who's your cable company? You know what, Leo? Uh, the the Blu-ray player never ever does that. No, and guess what? It has a lot more bandwidth, doesn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. So cable so companies, is, in order to get five hundred or whatever it is channels you've got on that copper, because that's what they've got. Yeah. That's why they went digital. They compress and they digitize, and you can get much more data on that copper. What they do is they'll look at channels that are less popular, mm -hmm. and they'll compress them more. Because they don't want the complaints. You won't see ESPN compressed as heavily. Ah, so, oh, I see. see the so that's lines. what you should do is check, like, check ESPN or your local networks, yeah. HBO. Check a premium channel. See how that looks. If that looks fine and science channels look bad, well, guess what? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I was watching uh, Dr. Uh, Phil yesterday uh, afternoon, you know. And the well, his hair always looks a little weird. I don't No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there yeah. is of it. Yeah, and, and you know it's amazing how you could see, uh, you know, the bald part of his head. You you could see that there's makeup on there and everything else. It's amazing HD. I know. I feel so bad for uh, television personalities because, you know, when I go when I do Regis and Kelly, mm -hmm. they went HD early on, and Kelly actually did a, a sitcom that had HD. And uh, Kelly's amazing. She is for somebody so beautiful. She is so not vain. Uh, I'm amazed. But they did for a while use airbrushes <laughs> for the makeup. Oh, wow. So you'd go oh, in. You've seen them airbrush T-shirts. It's got a compressor, and they got the airbrush, and they'd spray paint your face. They said, "Close your eyes." And why? The reason they did that is because it gives you a much smoother effect. You don't see the powder, but in HD, with a normal makeup, you can see little dots of powder. You can see streaks. You can see all sorts of stuff you don't want to see. But his his signal though yesterday afternoon, and this is one of the first times I watched him in, in a while. It it's okay. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> mail order brides from Russia. It was really good, but the one of the mail order brides was on there, and she had shimmering hair. And uh, so you were seeing that artifacting even with Doctor Phil? No. Oh no, no, no! It it looked perfect. Yeah, that's because they don't compress Phil. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. As always, Kyle picking great music. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
8888 Ask Leo. That's the phone number. Can I give a plug, a personal plug? Is that is that allowed? I don't I don't usually do those. But uh, I thought I'm, all right, I'm going to do it. I don't know if if I get in trouble, I'll uh, I'll pay the fine. The uh, I don't know. Is there a fine? I don't know. I hear everybody else doing personal plugs. Howard Stern does personal plugs. Don Imus sold bricks, didn't he? So we're building a new studio for the Tech Guy Labs. Uh, and uh, it really is is mostly about the podcast network, which is called Twit. In fact, the new studio is called the Twit Brick House. Uh, because it's a beautiful brick building down the road, about 10,000 square feet. I'm really excited about it. It'll be not just for this radio show, but for uh, several dozen other shows that we do, including on Friday nights. I'm so excited. We're going to do a LAN party. So uh, people will be able to... Uh, come to the we'll have enough room they can get on a computer they can play against each other in the in the twit brick house but also against other people online things like that it'll be fun uh and we are we were setting up a wall in the entrance way for people to, to put their own bricks up there you could buy a brick 128 bucks you could buy a brick put your name on it your twitter handle your facebook page whatever you want and it'll it'll be kind of the wall of honor of people who have helped support it because it's expensive frankly i got the idea from uh from a the Fenway Park and uh, and uh, AT and T Park here in San Francisco. That you know they have these these gardens or whatever, and people buy bricks, and you know it's kind of cool. So we are doing that, and uh, you can find out more about that by going to bricks b r i c k s dot t w i t dot tv bricks dot twit dot tv if you'd like to get one. But you know it's not really for. I, I hesitate to plug it on the radio show because it's really more for the people who listen to the uh, the, the super geeky podcasts. More for, more for you guys. And by the way, Angie is in our chat room and says she got the information. She was going to get the information to her country singer friend. So that's great. We do have a great chat room. You can find that at uh, the website, techguylabs.com. Techguylabs.com. Chat room is linked there. The video, audio versions of the show you can download after the fact. There's even a video version you can download now uh, of the show after the fact. And, uh, of course, the notes that James DeRuvo writes down with, uh, with links to everything I talk about, including that Facebook migration page, which is a ridiculously long URL. So we'll just put it in the show notes. TechGuyLabs.com. Richard's in Redondo Beach, California. Our next caller. Hi, Richard. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Oh, great. How are you doing? I'm well. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching you uh, right now. Uh, I like the Aloha shirt you had on a couple weeks ago. <laughs> sometimes I'm famous kind of for those shirts, but sometimes I just like to calm down. I'm just wearing a simple purple shirt. Uh, my wife just walked behind me. I, she's kind of ticked off because I'm, I'm sitting there watching you on her iMac that I bought. <laughs> uh, hey, how does she like it? Are you, are you happy with it? Oh, she, uh, she, I hate to say it, but she's addicted to Farmville. Oh, no. Did you see that Lady Gaga is going to uh, release her new album in Farmville? They're calling it Gagaville. Right. It's amazing. I, 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 I don't want to get involved because I might get addicted to it. Stay away. Stay away. I, I had to actually, I actually, uh, there should be a 12-step program for these farming games. I was playing one on the uh, iPad called We Rule. And I, and I realized after, I literally, I probably spent f a few hundred bucks on this thing. Because, you, you know, they, it's free. The programs are free. Farmville's free. But they, but they say, but if you want your farm to grow faster, you could buy this special doohickey. And, and, you know, the doohickeys add up after a while. 
I didn't yeah. even want. I don't even want to look at what I. So I finally, I just, I went cold turkey, and I've been, you know, I was shaking for a few days. I would get up in the morning, and say, "What about my cauliflower? I haven't harvested." But, oh yeah, that's right. I don't need to anymore. Terrible. Well, I, I, I bought her an egg timer, the, the old-fashioned kind that you have to turn the dial in it. You know, I my you're like my wife. My wife, like she she says she doesn't say it anymore, but I would be sitting at the breakfast table farming. She said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Farming." She said, "Why are you spending so much time farming?" I said, "It's relaxing. It's, a, it's I think of it as like a it's like a hobby. It's like knitting." She said, "If you were knitting, we'd have socks. We got nothing. Stop farming. Go out in the garden. We have some actual garden you can work in." No, no, that would get my hands dirty. I just want to say it's amazing. I, but she keeps in contact with my brother back in Maine, and yeah, I mean that's the that's how they get you because, uh, and this is brilliant. I've heard a number of people talk about the psychology of this. These the people who do farm bills, Zynga, Z Y N G A, they're a very successful company, uh, and and one of the secrets is it's it's a game of social compulsion, uh, because what happens is you could stop, you could play it, maybe you could stop like I did. But the problem is you have all these friends that you have these deals with, like you'll clean their farm if they clean your farm, and they get yeah. mad at you. They say, you can't quit. That's right. So you're stuck. That's right. Even if you wanted to stop. That's right. It's horrible. I, I mean, we're laughing, but, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of creepy. These guys well, have figured out a way to, to really uh, brainwash us. She, she we're... We can be doing anything, we do, and she'll say, oh, I've got to check my crops. Or yes. Something. Yes. That's the other way they work, by the way. My friend uh, Corey Doctorow observed this. He said uh, they figure out a way to get you always thinking about the game because you always have to, because you have to check because your crops go bad if you don't harvest them. That's right. That's it. So you're always thinking about it. It is a brain worm. It should be illegal. I mean, this is, I mean, obviously it's not, it can't, but it's just, it's, oh. Yeah. By the way, she... She just passed behind me, and she said, you look just as young as you did on Tech TV. I actually look younger. I have a, a, a big portrait in the uh, closet that's getting just horrible. Yeah, so wait, wait hello to Joni. Hi, Joni. How are you? <laughs> Joni and Richard, everybody. Now, jo now Richard, I'm a, we got to take a break, but I, I wanna, when I come back, you want to buy a laptop for your granddaughter, and I think that's very sweet. Right. And I'll help you do that in a second, okay? All right, plug done, Richard. I can come back. I can come back to you, and uh, talk about a laptop. So your granddaughter's going to college. Yeah, uh, nursing at um, Bakersfield, That's Cal State. Fantastic. CSU. And you're right. You cannot nowadays go to college without a laptop. No, we're all chipping in for it. And uh, the two that I had in mind is the either a Dell or Lenovo. Uh, uh, Costco has a Lenovo, and and. I guess they changed it from the, um, uh, it used to be the IBM Think ThinkPad. Yeah, Lenovo makes the ThinkPads. They bought it from IBM. They're very good. They're solid. They have among the best keyboards, I would say, un unequivocally, the best laptop keyboards out there. Um, <clears throat> uh, do you want, does she, now, you have to ask her some questions. Is it going to be a surprise? Uh, no. Um, I would, a couple of things I would do. I would check first with the college to see if there's discounts at the college. Often the college bookstore has a deal. Oh. Uh, I would also check with the college to find out if they have a Windows or Mac preference. Nowadays, nobody, I don't think anybody does, but it's worth checking. Uh, but she'll know. If she's going into nursing, and maybe there are a bunch of applications she needs that run only on Windows or whatever, so she'll know what she needs. Um, ask her about weight. Is she going to carry that to class? Then a very a thin and light is a better idea than 
a, a thicker, heavier notebook. On the other hand, if it's going to be kind of her desktop computer in her dorm room and only there, then uh, then you might want more power. You might not want to worry about battery life so much, you see. But I do okay. think, in general, the, the two you've just said, Dell and, uh, and Lenovo, are excellent for Windows laptops. They are, in fact, the two companies I'd recommend. The, the main problem, though, is support. I mean, okay, hang on, because that's a big, big problem. And there's actually a better answer for support. Stay tuned. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. We are talking the computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all that jazz at 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my phone number. This is episode 769 in a continuing saga. You'll find all of our show notes, the phone number, the chat room, links to past shows, all at techguylabs.com. That's the website, techguylabs.com. We're talking about buying a, uh, a, a laptop. Uh, our last caller had a granddaughter going to college. They're going to all chip in and get a laptop. That's great. Of course, always check with the recipient. They may have some strong interests or prejudices or uh, desires. The biggest choice, Mac versus Windows. He said support is going to be an issue. Uh, unfortunately, he's gone. I don't know what he means by support. Does it mean? Does he mean easy return? If you do buy a buy it from a big box store. Costco, for instance, uh, I am told I've asked the chat room off air and uh, they say that, yeah, returns are very easy. Costco typically will extend the warranty. Uh, if you buy with an American Express card, you'll get another extra year. So for, as far as returns go, uh, the big box stores tend to be very good. Uh, the support, however, is handled by the company. If you buy a Lenovo, buy Lenovo. Um, and I hear differing um, differing. <laughs> uh, reports on how good Lenovo support is. Certainly Lenovo's business grade support is very good. Uh, but you pay for that. And I think in general, this is what's happened. Uh, one of the ways that laptop and computer manufacturers have got the price down on PCs, and they are really, really cheap, is by unbundling support. You get very bad or rudimentary support for the base price. If you want better support, you pay for it, either by call or by buying a support subscription. Dell, Lenovo, and others all do this. Uh, it lower, It's fine if you don't need support because, you know, you're not paying for it. But if you need support, it might not be the best thing. It's one of the reasons Apple's do cost more, Macintosh computers. If you go to the Mac store and buy a computer there at the Apple store, you'll get great support because they're bundling the cost of support into the price of the computer, among other things. You're also paying for brand brand recognition um, I think a lot of students in fact this would be my recommendation to get, get a like the super light notebooks uh, the box big box stores may not have the latest greatest they may in fact only have uh, I'm told maybe a year old version of the Lenovo so it might be in your interest to go to Lenovo's page directly and uh, and see what's there there might be something better. The X220, for instance, which I really like, is a super thin and light Lenovo. I think the MacBook Air is great, although I think a new Air is coming that's even more powerful. MacBook Air right now has kind of a slow processor. I find it adequate, but some might not. She's a nursing student. You should find out what program she needs to run. And maybe she has to have a Windows computer because the programs she's expected to run are Windows only. That's worth checking into. Sometimes it goes the other way. 
but not usually. Sometimes they're, they're Mac only. Um, I, do, I do think thin and light is a great solution for a student. In most cases, it's got more than enough power. Uh, it'll have better, in some cases, better battery life. And, of course, it's much more portable. So it's great for taking to class, taking to the library, taking to the coffee shop and getting work done. And for students, I think that's pretty important. And there's some great thin and lights. Dell just announced a new uh, thin and light to uh, succeed. It's a Damo line that looks beautiful. It's not out yet, but it looks really sweet. So anyway, there's there's some tips. I don't know if I've cut through the uh, confusion there, but there's some things to look for. Ronald, Long Beach, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Ronald. Hi, Leo. How are you, sir? Very good. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm glad to finally get through. <laughs> In any event, I have a problem that I just discovered when I bought an HTC Evo phone. And that problem is uh, I wrote a, uh, a resume in a Word 95 document. And I cannot open it in my Evo phone. What? I, you can't open a word processing document created with a program that was uh, that's 16 years old on your phone? I don't understand it. I don't either. <laughs> Here's what you do. Don't save it as a doc file. Save it as an RTF file or as a PDF. Save it in a format that's more compatible. The problem with Word is it's a proprietary format. And now you can buy, for Android, you can buy programs, applications that will allow you to open Word documents. But let me ask you this, Leo, is I don't want to rewrite the resume. It's like four pages. Is there any converter that I No, you don't have use? to rewrite it. Just save it in Office 95 in a different format. Save it as Office, as RTF. Okay. How does, I mean, can you explain? You yeah, know, if you go to save as in your, in your word processor, not save because that's just going to continue to save it over on top of the original one. Save as... And then they'll be in that save as dialog box at the towards the bottom there there'll be a choice of formats and you click the click the format it's .doc right now and you'll see RTF you'll see other formats RTF is kind of a standard format it stands for rich text format and it will keep most of the formatting it'll it'll be uh, easier for other word processors to open you don't have to retype it uh, you know it's a great thing by the way to convert it to PDF in fact that's I would not I recommend sending a resume out as a doc file, as a word profile, because you may have the, uh, your your future employer may have the same problem. Uh, almost always, if you're sending an electronic resume, you want to send it in a format called PDF, Portable Document Format. Now, unfortunately, uh, Office 95 doesn't have PDF capability, so you can. There are a couple of things you can do. Microsoft does offer a print-to-PDF extension for Office 95 that's free. You can download it. If you just search for Microsoft Office print-to-PDF, you can find that on the Microsoft site. You can get, there are free programs that will do this. Cute, uh, Cute PDF is a great one. Uh, Foxit makes a, a, a one. There's one called PDF Creator that we've recommended before that's open source. That's probably the one I'd get. That'll allow you to, in effect, print the resume. But instead of choosing a printer, you'll choose PDF, and it'll save it as a file. That'll work on your phone. It'll work for everybody. And most importantly, that's the one you should attach to the email when you send it out. You should never send out a doc file to anybody. I see it happen all the time. I, in fact, I find it very frustrating. I'll get doc 
files or .xls, Microsoft Excel spreadsheet files. And that's, that's a pretty big assumption. You're assuming that the, the recruiter or the, the future employer has Microsoft Office, that they feel safe opening an Office document. Frankly, that's not a safe thing to do. Much safer, much, much safer to send them a PDF. Um, and I think a, a great solution. And by the way, then they can't change it. <laughs> Which I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But uh, PDF is kind of locks, locks it down and keeps people from modifying it. It's kind of, this is the document. This is as it is. And your phone will have no trouble with it. Stephanie Boston, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, hi. Hi, hey. Stephanie. Welcome. Yeah, good to see you. What can I do for you? Um, I am a brand new ebook author, and I was wondering if you had any tips or advice on kind of publicity and marketing for me. So far, How I have exciting. A I, what's oh, your yeah, What's your ebook? Um, my ebook is running with the name of the ebook is called Running from Secrets, and I actually have a couple of others that I'm working on, but so far. That's the only one, and I write. Uh, Are you selling it on uh, Amazon? Yes, I'm selling it on Amazon. I have recently just done a print version through Create Space. I'm selling it on the Nook. Um, I eventually want to get it on iBooks, but they have some issues with the uh, ISBN. Like you have to you have to buy an ISBN and everything, and I'm still working on that. Um, I think this is good. I'm already seeing. I, I searched for Running from Secrets. Google immediately suggested your name, which is excellent. Um, I see that it's on Goodreads. You're an author on Goodreads. That's a very good idea. That's a social site for readers. That's a very mm -hmm. good start. Um, I'll, let's talk some more about this. I think you've done many, many things right, including calling a radio show and plugging it. We'll talk some more. Stay on the line. We'll talk some more after the news. Leo Laporte, or after the break. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Got the website. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the phone number. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, you want to talk high tech. Stephanie's on the line. She's an author. I love this, Stephanie. Is this your first book? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Is this your first book? Um. Well, it's the first book I'm publishing. I, I've I've been writing since I was a teenager, but I the very first book I wrote, I I decided not to publish. Was uh, that was well, you. You've, you've obviously been doing your research because you've done, you know, all of the things that these days I would recommend. For instance, uh, you've chosen CreateSpace, which is Amazon's print-on-demand service. So you have an ebook, but now you also have a print version. You can mm -hmm. buy the book on Amazon because you're working with Amazon. Uh, they help you with some things. You've got a Facebook page. You've got, you're on good you're on Goodreads. You're on Shelfari. Those are two of the big social networks for readers. Uh, now the thing is to, you, you know, you've got, you've got the website, stephanievoid.com, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-V-O-I-D.com. Is the book fiction or nonfiction? Oh, it's, it's fiction. Uh, and is it, is it young adult? Um, yeah, this one is. Yeah. Although I, I probably write adult and young adult. Well, the reason I ask, is uh, when you're publicizing a book, you want to go to, or anything, and, 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 and I'm going to generalize my, my advice to you, but I have to say you've done this. It's a beautiful page. You've done everything exactly right. Um, Thank you. Well, and it figures because uh, you're a, a, the younger generation that understands the Internet. So mm -hmm. this isn't a foreign language to you, but uh, you know, people my age want to do this. It's kind of, where do I begin? 
But you obviously understand Facebook and Twitter and Goodreads and all that stuff. But but I'll give you some some general advice that everybody should consider, which is figure out where your audience is, your potential audience, who's going to read this book, and go to where they are. So where do you know Facebook is a good start? Where do young adults hang out? Um, do readings at bookstores or schools? Uh, what you have to do is, some have said that uh, you know to start a, a movement. To get, and this is what you want to do, you want to go viral. Because, you know, I see, for instance, you have the Facebook page, but only 49 people have liked it. You want to get 490,000 people liking it, right? So yeah. how do you get from 49 to 400,000? Well, it turns out it's the first 1,000 that matter. So that's a little easier target, 1,000 than 400,000. So let's go for that first 1,000. And what happens is if you've got a good book, and I'm sure you do, you've got a good product, you've got a good blog or a good record or whatever it is that you're trying to sell the you get those first thousand they will then get you to the next level it's all word of mouth ultimately so how do we get the first thousand that'll make it easier for you to first of all to to attack because it's a little harder mm -hmm. to say i'll get the first million no no first first one thousand is all you need uh and i think you're doing all those things i mean uh you you know um Sometimes you have to give things away to get people interested in you. That means perhaps doing some speaking, going to schools, uh, bringing your book, uh, things like that. You you don't have to get the you don't have to get a lot of people, but if you think in terms of a thousand and you know that every time you speak at a school, twelve kids will read your book and love it. It doesn't take too long to get to a thousand, does it? That's very true. Yeah, that's much easier if you think that way, and I think you're smart because this is your first book. This book is the first brick in the wall. You're doing, you know, you, this is, the, mm -hmm. but if you start now, a lot of people say, you know, I want to, I want to go viral right away. First thing, and you know, most overnight successes take years. So you're, oh, I've you're, been yeah, working on this for a really long time. Of course you have. And, and you're young and you're still, you know, working on it, but boy, you've got a great start. I'm very impressed by the page. Uh, you, you know, you've got the, the Amazon, but you're selling it on Amazon, you know, that's fantastic. Um, the Amazon allows author blogs, part do, you're going to be doing a lot of work mm -hmm. from day one, but remember each person that you win over, each person who reads your book and likes it mm -hmm. is spreading the word for you. Do you have a Twitter account? Yes, I do. Yep. Uh, Stephanie think Stephanie Void. Okay. Think about... By the way, I don't know if that's your real name, but that's a great name. Oh, no, it's, it's not my real name. Yeah. My real name. You don't have to say your real, don't say your real name on the air, but, it, but I think it's good that you didn't use your real name. You used a memorable name. Uh-huh. Okay. Smart. People are going to remember Void. <laughs> right? That's probably why you changed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also for privacy and other things. I think that's a good idea. Uh, I just, I think this is all, you, you obviously have kind of an innate knack for marketing uh it's harder you know because uh you're doing all yourself but i could tell you right now i was talking to uh, this morning i talked to a, a very well-known radio personalities one on one on one of our stations and uh, mm -hmm. he said he has a great radio voice he said leo i heard you talking about create space tell me i want to publish a book now he's he's you know old school and so he has to learn all this stuff that you know innately, Stephanie, because you and your friends have been doing this since you were a kid. Uh, but he'll learn it. Uh, he has an advantage because he's got a name for himself. He could plug it on his radio show. Um, One thing that's been uh, helping me, and in case there's anybody listening who's 
listening who is also trying to be a, a you know an, an online author, there are lots and lots of people out there who are book bloggers who do nothing but read books and put Perfect. up reviews of. Perfect. Amazon has a program like that too for people who review Amazon books, where you set, send a few free copies to these people to get their reviews on your Amazon page. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you should inquire about the Amazon reviewers program. Because uh, because all of that helps, right? It, and, and as I said, get, sometimes you have to give it away to get it started. Uh, this is especially true for performing artists, musicians, and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. uh, selling, don't, you know, you can't expect to sell your music for a lot of money right off the bat. Sometimes you have to uh, give it away mm -hmm. at first. But you're building. Remember that what, what's changed is we used to think of uh, uh, this as kind of building an audience or building uh, customers. And now we think of it as building community. And boy, I'll tell you, a community will get you a lot farther in the long run than customers. Don't think of building new customers for your business. Think of building a community around what you do. People who love what you do, who are fans, who say, this is great. I want to tell other people about it. Those people are so much more valuable than just a customer. Hmm, or okay. a reader, right? The book bloggers, the good people on Goodreads and Shelfari who will say, hey, you got to read this Stephanie Void book. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> all of that, you know, you've made it easy for them to get. You've got the blog, you've got the Amazon, you know, you've got, you've made it easy for them to get. Now your job is, as you figured out, marketing is, is getting them to know about it. Mm -hmm. But I think you could, I think you, you've got a pretty good handle on this. And folks, if you want to know more, Stephanie Void, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I, void.com is her website. That is the first thing, isn't it? Get the darn website. I, you know, I, when I see an author doesn't have a website for the book, I think, what are you thinking? <laughs> How can, what, what are you thinking? But you've done everything right. You've got the like buttons. You're, you're going to tweet. Now, sometimes uh, with Twitter, you know, you don't have very many followers to begin with. You've got to start putting stuff on your Twitter account that would be of interest to your community. You're building community with Twitter, right? So maybe links to like books, books you like, uh, insights on how to write, maybe as you learn this process in marketing it, what you learn there, get people to follow you, uh, and they'll follow you because you're saying things that are interesting to them that they learn from. Okay, it's a good idea. You got to give back. You build community by putting it out there and giving back, and then they'll give to you. Cast your bread upon the waters. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good luck, Stephanie. Great book. I think this is exciting. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Waning minutes of the tech guy show. Wow, we're selling bricks fast. I'm kind of surprised. This is exciting. Dick D. Bartolo is on the line. He is the uh, Gizwiz. Dick D. Bartolo, you might know that name as uh, Mad Magazine's maddest writer, but he's also a gadget hound, and he's been a m big fan of gadgets for decades and joins us every week at this time. Have you bought a brick yet, Dick? Uh, no, but Myra is uh, mixing sand now. And <laughs> you know, a number of people said, oh, I won't buy a brick. I'll send you one. And I think that they, I don't think they understand fully the point of this. This is a fundraiser. This is not, we have bricks. We don't need bricks. Oh, it's not like it's a money-making scheme. profit deal. <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> We're going to have the uh, entryway to the new studios is going to uh, be bricked uh, with uh, commemorative bricks, and people are buying them. Uh, it's, a, it's a fundraiser, and I'm not a nonprofit. I, I hope you don't think it's tax deductible, but we'll get you a brick, Dick. I'll, I'll oh. only charge you twice the normal rate. <laughs> 
Oh, okay, very good. I will be offering uh, three by five index cards <laughs> that will go on my apartment door. But that'll be after your fundraiser. After your fundraiser, that's a good over. idea. Yeah. Get a get an index card. So, Dick, what's yeah. your uh, what's your gadget of the week this week? Oh, uh, a neat little gadget from Verilux, and I I checked just before we started talking to make sure that they're still offering this. Uh, it's a rechargeable travel lamp. Now, Verilux, they're famous. They do natural spectrum lighting so that it's more like daylight. And, and back in the days when I was sad, that was before the Daily Giz was, I was a sad Now you're happy. <laughs> now I'm a happy a person. Seasonal so, affect so, disorder syndrome. Disorder. Exactly. Yeah. When, when, when days get short and nights get longer, I got sadder. But anyway, Verilux makes uh, every kind of natural spectrum light. But this is the first portable one that I know of, and it's 11 LEDs. It folds up, and what's great about it, and, and for some reason it's not marked on the box, you can charge it from an AC outlet and then take it anywhere, and it'll run for four hours. Um, but in the box is a USB cable. What, what makes it great is if you're using this on an airplane or something, or a hotel where there's no light at the desk, you can actually power it and charge it from the laptop. So as you're wow. working, you're, you're using the lamp. And as I said, the great thing is the list price is 30 bucks, And right now it's $14.98 half price. Is it pretty bright? It's very brightly. It's, it's 11 uh, full spectrum LEDs. It's not a high-low. It just comes on or off. And if you uh, have if you have uh, SADS, which means that when we get to the shorter days of the year, we're getting the longer days now. But the shorter days of the year, you 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 miss that sunlight, and it kind of depresses you. You would just shine that in your eyes, and then it would be like you're in the sun. That that is one. I don't, I don't know if you would do it with this particular thing, but they do make lamps that have a diffuser on it. And the idea was that you would, depending on how bright it was, there was some that you would sit and look at. Um, actually, what I did is I, I bought a, a spotlight that was uh, balanced for sunlight, and I put it in my backyard, and it would go on with a timer, and no matter when I would wake up, it would look like the sun was out. I bet it your really neighbors worked. loved that. Yeah, yeah. Is got a nuclear reactor down there? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, I had to take a pee at 4 a.m. I'm sorry to wake you up. What's going on? It's the brightest yeah, yeah. light Listen, I ever it saw. Make noise. I could have a rooster. <laughs> well, that's cool. So Verilux, V-E-R-I-L-U-X. and it's their rechargeable travel lamp, and it's at uh, verilux.com. That's where you can get it for fourteen ninety eight. Plus shipping. Dick, we uh, stick around. We're going to do the Daily Gizwiz, actually the weekly Daily Gizwiz show right after yeah. the radio show. But uh, uh, thank you for your clever little gadget. Don't forget Dick's website, gizwiz.biz. He's Mad Magazine's saddest writer and the gizwiz. <laughs> just every yes. week. Get it? Get it? Because you have... Yeah, I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah. Very good. It was very, very good. It was subtle. It was a subtle You joke. should think of a career in broadcasting. Maybe not. <laughs> you should think of something besides a career in broadcasting. Thank you, Dick. We'll talk in a few minutes. Don't I'll go anywhere. Here. Okay. <laughs> Well, a good day to you. How are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. It's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the, you know, the gadgets, shiny objects, the G-Jaws that are occupying our lives these days. Only this show is about how to use them, make your life better, to change the world. 
how to choose them. You know, if you haven't bought one, how to abuse them if you want to hack them. And if you're done with it, how to, how to lose it, too. We could do that, too. 8888-ASK-LEO is the number. 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. of A. If you're outside the U.S., you can use Skype out to call because that's a toll-free number. It won't cost you anything. 888-827-5536. Interesting how the... Uh, I, I, this probably hasn't leaked out into the uh, into the real world, but the tech journalist world is all up in arms over uh, Facebook hiring a big PR firm, Burstyn Marsteller, to slime Google, kind of secretly slime Google. And uh, every, all the tech journalists are highly affronted. I guess uh, Facebook tried to get a uh, place... Uh, Posts on blogs, ghost-written posts on blogs saying, oh, forget privacy concerns with Facebook. It's Google we should all be looking out for, et cetera, et cetera. And this has become the big story about Facebook. And I think it's really kind of a shame because it is not, in my opinion, the big story about Facebook. In fact, Facebook couldn't have timed this better. It's almost a magician's misdirection. Pay no attention to this privacy issue over here. Facebook's been bad. But nobody really cares if Facebook hires a PR firm to slime Google. It almost seems like business as usual, doesn't it? Really. This is why the mainstream press hasn't picked this up, doesn't care. But there is a bigger story, and the tech press is ignoring it. And I'm not going to ignore it. Yeah, okay, so I'll say this. Facebook, bad, should not hire a public relations firm to slime a competitor. Big deal. It is business as usual. They just got caught. The bigger issue is that for the last, mm, I don't know, four or five years, Facebook has been leaking your profile information to all and sundry. I guess that shouldn't be a surprise either. How many times have I said you should treat anything you put on the Internet, including Facebook, a place where you you know, are promised privacy, you should treat it as public. I tell my kids this. I tell teenagers this when I speak to them. Treat everything on the Internet, including Facebook, as public. Turns out Facebook has had a horrendous bug for years. Facebook's saying, oh, it's no big deal. We have no evidence of a problem, blah, blah, blah. We're going to fix it, even though there's no problem, blah, blah, blah. A horrendous bug that for years has not only been leaking your personal information, everything on your profile page, private pictures, private posts, who your friends are, everything you do on Facebook, not only to the applications that you install on Facebook, that's kind of been known, but the applications inadvertently leak it out to the real world as well. Your token, your Facebook token, the thing that allows them to get access to this information has been inadvertently being uh, given away, spread. And it's good forever, by the way. There are some tokens that are only good for a couple of hours. That's what Facebook's saying. Oh, no, most tokens are only good for a couple of hours. And yet hundreds of millions are good for forever and are out there. And the only way to protect your privacy going forward from anybody who might have that token is to change your password. Now, Robert in our chat room is saying, I run no applications on Facebook. A lot of people say that. Oh, I don't use Apple. I don't play Farmville. I don't... Well, maybe you do. Have you ever authorized uh, a, uh, an iPhone app to use Facebook or the iPhone itself to use Facebook? That's an application. If you've ever said, you've ever logged into Facebook through another application for any reason whatsoever, that, that's exactly how it happens. That's, that counts. So you may not think, you may think, well, I'm not playing Farmville. 
But it's any time you authorize Facebook to any third party, that information then allows them and inadvertently them and their partners to see everything on your page. So just so you know. And the only way to do to fix this is to change your password. Probably a good idea. And I, I have to think that Facebook, because they're really downplaying this, their, their defense is, oh, well, that would be a violation of terms of service. <laughs> like, that's going to stop these guys. Oh, it says right here in the fine print you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, that'll work. That's their defense. Oh, and they're going to fix it. But really what they would like you to do is look over here. See this thing that we did? It was terrible with the, with the public relations firm and we slimed Google. It is interesting that what they did is they... Uh, they got blog posts to say, oh, the, forget Facebook privacy issues. What about Google privacy issues? Aren't those worse? And that plays into everybody's fears. Facebook says it wasn't a smear campaign. <laughs> well, what was it? But I, I think that I'm much more concerned about Facebook leaking my information. You know, I deleted my Facebook account about a year ago. And... Uh, Unfortunately, I can't cover Facebook. I can't talk about Facebook without having a Facebook account. But uh, but uh, so I'm I'm back on it. But I do I do uh, treat it as if it's a public blog, a public posting. You probably should too. It's interesting. Both my son and my daughter in the last two days realized that people were seeing what was on their Facebook page. Shock. Facebook keeps changing these privacy settings, and so people don't know. My daughter called me yesterday. My son asked two days ago, completely independently, how do I make my profile private? They assumed, as, as I think probably many of you assume, that it is private, that it's just kind of automatically private. And it's not. In fact, Facebook really wants it to be more public because the more public it is, uh, the easier it is for them to sell information and make money. You know, their future depends on it being more public. So here's what you do. You go to your Facebook page. You go to the account button. This is what I told my daughter last night on the right. And you go to account se uh, privacy settings. I'm sorry, privacy settings. Now, Facebook kind of makes it easy because you see where it says sharing on Facebook. They have these, these big buttons. These settings control who can see what you share. And there's an everyone, friends of friends, friends only, recommended which is kind of a hybrid and custom now as a, as a kind of discipline for myself I chose custom and I made everything visible to everyone explicitly just to remind me there's nothing private but if you want to be a little more protected you might click that friends only button but that's not enough that's not enough because then you need to go into customized settings and look all of these additional settings, there's tons of them, all of which you might want to consider. My wife wanted a Facebook page so she could check up on our kids. <laughs> and she said, people keep sending me pictures on Facebook, but I don't want old boyfriends to follow me. I don't want them to find me. So you can go in here, and I did this for her, and customize the settings so that everything is friends only. And then I said, and honey, don't make any friends. No friends. No friends for you. So make everything friends only. If you have friends, only your friends will be able to see it. Now, it's important to remember, though, that applications that you sign up for, you agree to, still have access to all that. And it turns out they can leak that to other parties. 
So I would still assume, no matter what you set these for, that if you put something on Facebook, if you put something on the Internet anywhere, it can be seen or will be seen or has a chance of being seen by friends, family members, teachers, future employers, college boards, and everything else. Just keep, This is my message to you. If you put it on the Internet, it's public, no matter what you do. Good news for people who use the Sony PlayStation Network. They got it up last night, and it's and I think it's still up. They had closed it down to a, due to a huge uh, security breach that uh, released information about hundreds, uh, no, I'm sorry, millions of uh, users, including perhaps credit card information, to bad guys. We'll never know. Uh, they took it down until they could fix it. They did fix it, so it's back up if you're a PlayStation 3 user. Your call's next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 77 million. I'm actually starting to like this Samsung uh, tab more and more. I like the widescreen, I have to say. Honeycomb is not mm, perfect, but... Um, and as you can see, not everything uses the... Uh, the real estate. This is four square and it just stretches it over to the right. <laughs> With ginormous buttons. I should take a picture. We'll see how all the people in here. Add a photo to this check in view. Yes, add a photo. Use this. Thank you. Huh. Four square doesn't seem to like the camera. There we go. There we go. Here's the picture. All our nice people. Check in. Leo, can you see your calls? Yes, sir. Alright. It's kind of weird taking a picture with a tablet, isn't it? <laughs> Leo Laporte, the tech guy, I'm playing with this uh, Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1. Google uh, handed these out uh, at the Google I.O. conference this week in San Francisco. It's a Google developer conference. And Google's trying to encourage people to write applications uh, for not only Google phones, but this new whole category of tablets. They really would love to compete with iPad. And you've heard me say many times... Um, that I don't think there's going to be a tablet this year that will compete with iPad 2. iPad and Apple really kind of dominate this market, not just because of the hardware, but because of the rich application ecosystem that Apple has and the kind of the end-to-end -end setup where you can buy music, buy applications, rent TV and movies, all from the iPad, but also from your computer. You can play it on your Apple TV. I mean, it's just, it's all kind of this seamless thing. But I have to say, this is pretty impressive. This is uh, Samsung's latest. It will be go on sale January, uh, June 6th. And uh, same exact pricing as the uh, iPad, too. $499 for a 16-gig uh, Wi-Fi version. Interesting, though, it's a little thinner and a little lighter than the iPad, too. has better battery life because it's a little bit bigger. Instead of the 1024 by 768 screen... Samsung's made it a widescreen, a 16 by 9 screen at 1280 by 800. So it's actually higher, more pixels. And that extra space means you can put more battery in there. 
It's a fast processor. It's the NVIDIA Tegra 2, which I think is completely competitive with Apple's A5 processor. A better camera. Apple put a terrible camera in their iPad 2. This has a 3-megapixel camera on the back and a uh, around a 2-megapixel camera on the front. Much better than the cameras that Apple put on theirs. Still a little funky, a little weird to take a picture with a tablet, isn't it? It looks like you're holding up a clipboard to take a picture. Uh, nevertheless, really great for editing pictures or, or messing with pictures. I think the real, the, the missing piece of these, these Google tablets, this particular tablet is really, truly, at least with the hardware, superior to the iPad 2, in my opinion. It's the software, and it's the ecosystem. Uh, I love Android. You know I'm an Android fan. I use an Android phone. But this honeycomb version of Android designed for tablets, boy, is sure not ready for prime time. Google even admitted that. And they said they are going to release an update to that in the next couple of weeks, 3.1. Uh, also, there are very few applications that take advantage of the of the real estate. And that, that's kind of a problem. I mean, if, if you're going to use a tablet, you want applications. And, and, and Apple's done a great job with this, that fill up the tablet uh, screen and use all that real estate to good advantage. There are... Only, I don't know, maybe a few dozen apps that do that. This is the, I'm showing uh, for folks watching uh, at home, I'm showing the, <laughs> for those of you watching the radio at home, I'm showing the Kindle app, which does do a nice job. Amazon's, boy, Amazon's smart. They just, they say, well, we'll just put the Kindle everywhere. On every, on every tablet. Uh, Google's apps, of course, use the real estate. In fact, the Gmail app's great. The Maps app's uh, great. Uh, there are a few others, but most of the apps including the Facebook app, Foursquare, things like that. Just, you know, they just stretch out. They spread themselves out over the uh, widescreen. It just kind of looks funky. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to stand by what I said, I think. If you're going to buy a tablet, at least for the next six months, you're going to buy an iPad 2. You're going to want an iPad 2. But you might, you might watch carefully. And if you're a big Android fan, I would watch carefully the Android space. And I have to say, I'm surprised at how quickly Samsung came up with hardware that is every bit as good as an iPad 2. If Google can up, upgrade the software sufficiently to make it really, you know, sing, and if, and if app developers start doing tablet apps, which I suspect they will, yeah, it's only going to be a few months before this is competitive with Apple. And whether you're an Apple fan or not, that's great news because it means that Apple will be challenged. And I hope they respond uh, by competing instead of litigating. You know, unfortunately... Their response to Samsung's Galaxy phones, the Android phones, was to sue them, saying, you copied us. And, uh, yeah, I understand. That's When you, when you uh, have a whole building full of lawyers, which Apple does, that's the kind of thing that happens. But I'd sure like to see Apple, instead of saying, you copied us, make something better. Keep, keep, stay ahead. This is a challenge to make something better. Keep making something better. They're doing it on the, on the tablet. They really are. I think you could argue that the Android phones have caught up, however, with the iPhone. They're close enough. I use an Android phone. I'm very happy with it. Uh, after long, long iPhone use. I think it's great. We get the, ch the choice is always good, right? We don't want to live in a world where there's only one flavor, vanilla. As much as you might like vanilla. It's nice to have a little chocolate once in a while. Richard in Chicago, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Richard. Hi, Leo. Uh Thanks for taking my call. I'm a big fan. Been listening for quite a long time. Thank you. Um, I, I purchased an Android phone, um, a Thunderbolt. Yeah, that's a nice phone. That's the, the Verizon uh, phone, the Thunderbolt, big four point three inch screen. Yeah, it's real great. Uh, battery is 
haven't had too many problems. They recently pushed a, an update Verizon the other day, and that seems to have made it worse. I guess they're looking into that. Uh, that's my biggest uh, uh, complaint about almost all of these Android phones. The Apple iPhone, uh, because it doesn't, ha uh, mostly because it doesn't have a replaceable battery. Uh, can put more battery in there. They don't have to package the battery. And so they get more battery life on the iPhones. Not a lot more, but an hour or two more, when you're just barely making it through the day as it is, that's, a, that's enough. And the iPhones do have a little bit more juice. Uh, Android, I think, also it strikes me. Uh, there are applications on the Android that, that continue to run and continue to eat battery life. Every once in a while, I feel like there's something, because my, my phone will get hot. And it's like, there's something running. What's going on? Yeah, my Thunderbolt will do that sometimes. Yeah. You'll pick it up and it's warm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, to me, if it's warm, that's battery power being wasted. In any event, yeah. in any event, what can I uh, do to help you? A uh, quick question. Um, I have security, like a location app, because you said this is actually replacing a Droid X that got lost in a cab in New York, and it was <laughs> that's, I hope it. I hope it's near my Droid X, which also got lost in a cab in New York. I bet there's a whole bunch of Droid Xs in a box somewhere yeah i have a friend in brooklyn who actually got into a cab and he said the driver actually tried to offer him a hot phone I guess. Oh, yeah. can you imagine how many phones get left in cabs in new york city uh, yeah they called i called the tlc in new york no forget it no yeah they could yeah they no, got all forget the it yeah, yeah got, awesome. i called them they said file a police report i've lost two phones in cabs in new york <laughs> and probably a kindle or two i can't even remember i lose so much I, I think I just leave a little trail of electronic goodies behind me. It was frustrating. Yeah, it was actually a gift from my employer because um, I was working in New York temporarily. And uh, that made it even worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, But um, I had a question. I, the location app I sent, the, I, Mobile Defense, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, I was running that on it, and I sent a white command to it. And uh, hopefully Excellent. that works. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I love that. Once I knew it was gone, um, but uh, and, but everything, I had a pin code on it and everything else. But I was wondering, um, friends of mine and I have been going back and forth, and I hear you talking about Windows, and of course I, I run Windows 7, I have antivirus, but is it, do you think you need an antivirus program for an Android device? Some people say it's not necessary as long as you know what you're doing. And who you're <sighs> I think all smartphones are the next big target. Uh, but right now, uh, you know, there have been problems with Android phones, mostly with malware apps in the uh, marketplace, which are removed quickly and uh, disabled. Let me talk about mobile security when we come back. Also, Scott Wilkinson, home theater guru ahead. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Annie Lennox in the Eurythmics. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. Hey, that voice. That uh, <laughs> basso profundo Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, baby. It's not Barry White. <laughs> Scott Wilkinson, editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com, and a columnist for the Home Theater Magazine, uh, a hometheatermag.com. He's also available to you uh, via email. Scott at techguylabs.com joins us every week to answer questions from our audience. I like this last one uh, that you were talking about. Uh, is can an HDTV be as good as your old TV? <laughs> what? Yeah, I got I got this question, and it's very interesting. Um, uh, from Dave Butler in San Jose, who asks, uh, "Can the better LCD, LED, or plasma high def TVs equal the picture quality 
of the Sony uh, KD 34 XBR 960, which is an old CRT TV. Was it an TV. H? It was high def. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, but and of course, it's no longer made. Hasn't been for years. But it's still revered. Yes. And and rightly so because CRT TVs, that old technology, the that big we've had tube for, one, the thing that was that big, yeah ginormous thing in your house, a ginormous thing in your house, produced. Stunning picture quality, really, really good. Uh, the blacks were gorgeous, really deep and dark. Uh, shadow detail was excellent. Colors were gorgeous. Um, it, it just, it's what flat panels are chasing after. All these years later, they're still chasing that picture quality. Is that really? Yeah. The only one I can say for sure that even came close is the Pioneer Kuro, which you have one, I have one. Uh, those of you who are out there fortunate enough to have gotten one before Pioneer went out of business, uh, not uh, Pioneer didn't go out of business, but they went out of the TV business. They exited the TV business. Uh, and, you know, the remaining stock was out there in the field. And those of you who got one, congratulations, because <laughs> it was the one uh, flat panel TV that really rivaled CRT. Leo, you got one. I got yeah, one. I, and I, do, I do love it. Yeah. You know, but they, why did they exit the TV business? Because it was too expensive to make that high quality a TV. Yeah. And that TV was expensive, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and people and, don't really know the difference. Well, I, I suppose a lot of people don't know the difference. Certainly, if you put it right next to each other, you'd notice the difference. But, but the vast majority of people couldn't tell. Uh, well, again, if if they had the opportunity to see them next to each other, the, I think the vast majority of people would be able Could. to tell. But, okay. but the most, but the vast majority of people don't have that opportunity. Right. Now you might say, well, sure, go to a go to a store, and you could put them right next to each other and see them side by side. Well, yes, but as I've said many times, the store environment is not a good place to evaluate the picture quality of a TV. For one thing, there's a ton of lights on. You know, it's a store. It's a it's a giant. A uh, place with lots of Klieg lights. You know, they want things to be bright and shiny. And so the manufacturers tune their TVs, adjust their TVs, so that they look as good as possible in that environment. But that's not the environment most of us live in. So when you get by a TV at a store and you look at this wall OTVs and you say, oh, I like that one because it's the brightest. And they say, fine, and they bring one out from the, from the warehouse, and you pay for it, and you take it home, you take it out of the box, you put it uh, on your stand in your room, which doesn't have giant Klieg lights overhead, uh, and you turn it on, and then you have to put on sunglasses because they adjust, the manufacturers adjust all their TVs to look good in the showroom because right. they don't know which, which TV the store is going to grab out of their stock and put on the showroom floor. So they make them all look like that. So that's why I always say, and I've said on this show many times, to um, go into the menu and go to the picture mode and select movie or cinema, which is going to make it look a lot better in the home environment. But even at that, <clears throat> we don't have yet, except for a few isolated cases like Kuro, uh, flat panels that have really the equal picture quality to the old CRT. The advantage of flat panels, of course, is that they're lightweight, they're thin they don't take up half the room uh so that's that's really the advantage and you know they're chasing that picture quality each year they get a little better and a little better but uh uh generally speaking they're not quite there yet very good
I yeah. see. That's it. It's interesting. But that was a very good TV, and it was an HD TV. Most of the TVs that you have watched in the past are not mm -hmm. comparable. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, uh, Terry uh, asks, um, he notices that there are some speakers that end up, and, and other kinds of products that, that have the, net, the term reference in their name. Mm-hmm. Know, like reference speakers and and he wonders what exactly does that mean is it a standard or is it just hype <laughs> and the answer is well there's no there's no standard called reference it, it really is <clears throat> it really is more hype than anything else um, I think manufacturers use this term and they apply it to their flagship product their very best product and they say this is the reference as far as our products are concerned, against which our other products and the products of everybody else, by the way, uh, should be measured or judged. And so the, the answer really is no, there's no standard called reference, but people use that term to refer to their flagship product, uh, their products that, um, you know, are the best that they can possibly do and to which everything else needs to get referenced. Um, <clears throat> Let's see. Tom Becker was listening to the podcast last week, uh, my podcast, on which John Iverson was talking about um, media streaming. And we were talking a little bit about data caps. You've talked about data caps on the show. Oh, I'm so depressed. It's such a <laughs> so depressing depressing. subject. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And more and more uh, ISPs are imposing these data caps. And John Iverson said that he, as far as he knew, if you exceeded your data cap, uh, that they would start charging you more, just like a cell phone, right? You, you have a certain number of minutes typically on a mm -hmm, cell phone. Mm -hmm. And if you exceed that number of minutes, they start charging you an arm and a leg for every additional minute. No, it's not like that. Well, in some cases, apparently not, because uh, Tom Becker writes in and says, Comcast disconnects your service. They warn you a bunch of times, but I do know people who uh, were just cut off. They said, you know, you're a bandwidth hog. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Oh man! So um, you know these, these all we've talked about this before. These these bandwidth uh, caps for most people won't impact them yet, but the point is these companies well, are being proactive about the day when we all start watching our TV over the internet, which more and more people are starting yeah, to do. Comcast, what? Comcast doesn't want you to do that because they try to sell you HBO. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they make more money selling you HBO than letting you watch HBO over the internet. Mm-hmm. I wonder if. If when if and when they will start selling you HBO over the internet. Well, they are. HBO has a product called HBO Go, and HBO is kind of cagey. They're kind of smart, yeah. so they you know they obviously don't want to uh, injure their relationships with the cable companies. They're still dependent on them, so they require you to sign into the HBO app, which is available on Android and iPhone, with your cable company login. So if you're a Comcast customer, you'll sign in with your Xfinity login, guaranteeing, first of all, that you are a, an HBO subscriber, but also that Comcast gets to, you know, get their little two cents in there. They charge, you know, H, they, they, they pay HBO. Anyway, it's a complicated relationship, but they, yeah, they, yeah. they pay HBO for each subscriber. HBO gets its money through, a, through Comcast for HBO Go. But I think the day will come. Well, look at Hulu, where you pay eight bucks a month and, yep. you, get, and you don't have to use the cable company. You use their inexpensive bandwidth instead of their pricey cable connection. Exactly right. Scott Wilkinson, editor-in-chief of The Ultimate AV Magazine. Scott at TechGuyLabs.com. And don't forget his podcast, Home Theater Geeks, Mondays, 1.30 Pacific, 
at live.twit.tv. We'll see you next week. Thank Bye-bye, you so Scott. much. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the Tech Guy, Hour 3 of the Tech Guy Show, where we talk about computers and technology and all the things that are changing in this little world of ours. 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number if you've got a question or a comment or a suggestion. 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S., outside the U.S. You could just use Skype to uh, Skype out. 8888-ASK-LEO. The uh, feds were investigating Google, saying Google was profiting from rogue pharmacy ads, illegal, out-of-the-country uh, pharmacy ads. Um, Google and other search sites have placed those ads for many years. They started blocking them in early 2010 because it's illegal for U.S. citizens to buy drugs overseas. Prescription drugs overseas. You know what drugs we're talking about. Those little blue pills. I think that's probably 99% of it. Google, however, when they blocked the international ads uh, in 2010, did make an exception for Canadian pharmacies licensed by uh, the Canadian government. But U.S. authorities still were upset, still investigated, Still prosecuted, and Google is expected to have to pay a fine of $500 million. Half a billion dollars. Google said in uh, February 2010 that it will only take ads from U.S. pharmacies accredited by the National, accredited by the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy and from online pharmacies in Canada accredited by the Canadian International Pharmacy Association. You know, it's not, it's interesting, it is not illegal to go to Canada and get a drug, but you can't import drugs into the U.S. from Canada. Although, according to uh, this article in Wired.com by Ryan Single, federal officials mostly turn a blind eye to drugs that are imported from Canada and rarely will prosecute individuals. People order drugs from Canada because they're cheaper. It saves money. There is, of course, a risk because uh, you may be ordering drugs from Canada and they may actually come from India or China or some other uh, overseas country where uh, the drugs are not well made or maybe aren't even what you thought you were getting. Google uh, apparently profited from ads, and that's why they're going to pay the $500 million. I have to wonder, though, if this this reminds me very much of uh, the p online poker site ban of a few weeks ago, where U.S. interests don't like the fact that money uh, from Americans is going to overseas gambling. They want to keep it <laughs> in the U.S., and so they lobby law enforcement to basically protect their interests. Is law enforcement really interested in protecting our health, or are they more interested in protecting U.S. pharma? Half a billion dollars. Where does that money go? Half a billion dollars. The FDA and Rhode Island's attorney general. <laughs> That's where the money goes. Have you ever ordered uh, drugs online from Canada? A Canadian pharmacy, a legitimate Canadian pharmacy? Because they're cheaper? 
Should that be illegal? It is. 8888-ASK-LEO. Vicky is in Rialto, California, our next caller. Hi, Vicky. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Howdy. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing great. What can I do for you? Well, I am going to be going on an Alaskan cruise in a couple of weeks, and I ordered a camera online, and I'll be getting it in a couple of days. How exciting. Yes, I am so excited. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I... The last time I talked to you, I was ordering a camera about seven years ago. So it's wow, time <laughs> it's time for a new one. I helped you buy the last one, huh? Yeah, right. So anyhow, uh, I bought a Nikon Coolpix S9100, which is the new camera that came out with the 18x zoom lens. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I need to buy some memory for it, and I really don't know what I'm doing. It says it takes a SD, SDHC, right. SDHC. And then there's ratings of them and this and that. And um, it only has an internal memory of 74 megabytes. So um, You have you know. to buy a card. And nowadays the cameras don't come with memory. Or if they do, it's a very small amount. You yeah. want to get at least 4 gigs. You probably will end up getting 8, 16, maybe even 32. I don't like getting cards that are too big because if a card fails, that means... You know, if you, if you have a 32 gig card and you have thousands of photos on that card and then it fails, you're going to be very unhappy. Right. So a smaller card kind of makes you offload them. Pardon me? Two eights or something like that. Yeah, two eights would be good. That's exactly. Most pros will have uh, four or five cards uh, because the last thing, you know, you're out there looking at a glacier and you can't get back to uh, the cruise and you don't want to, you know, the penguins come out and you have four pictures left, you're not going to be happy. So That's it's always, right. <laughs> it's always nice. But I, I don't know how big those images are on the, uh, on the P1000, uh, but I suspect that uh, a 4-gig card will give you hundreds of images. An 8-gig oh, card, well, you know. It's a 12-megapixel, but I probably won't do it at that because I don't think I need that. I don't ever print anything that's 20 by 30 or, you know, like that. Oh, and I would take it at the highest resolution. Storage is cheap. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Storage is cheap cards from my other camera, you know, two gig ones that I could, you know, just, I mean, they're so small, you can just put them in. But what's the best kind? SD, SDHC? Well, all the HC means is high capacity. So anything okay. over two gigs is an SDHC. So you okay. will be getting an HDSHC. Then they come in classes, class two, four, six, eight, ten. And right. each class is faster at reading and writing, but also much more expensive. A class 10 card is a lot more expensive than a class 6 card. I would look in the, um, in the, in the manual or in the specs for that P100 or P1000. I suspect class 6 is plenty. You probably don't need much faster. Okay, well, it says that uh, you should have a, a rating of 6 or faster recommended for recording movies because it does a, a 1080... Uh, right. The, the, the high-quality movies, of course, are saving more data faster to the card. So a faster card, <coughs> excuse me, for, uh, for most video, you do want a faster card. You might even want 10x for video. But it's interesting. They say 6 or higher. So that, that means their minimum is 6, and I would say 6 is fine. Okay, and then the SDHC, is that? That's what you're going to get. You don't have really much choice because okay. it and just means you have more storage. Okay, but I should get smaller increments so I can pop one in then. And is there any particular brand? I mean, SanDisk, Toshiba, Panasonic, Lexar, there's, you know, I, you know, I'm going I blind I usually here. get SanDisk. They're all fine. Kensington, SanDisk, they're all fine. I usually get Kensington or SanDisk. The, the pros spend a lot more money. They get Lexar. Uh-huh. Uh, because Lexar cards tend to be, in fact, there's another brand. I can't even remember. It's a, it's a funky brand. I don't even remember the name. 
that I was told just the other day we do a photography show uh, by one of our pros that, oh, I will only buy this brand. Um, I just, you know, I <laughs> uh, I think uh, SanDisk is fine. I think uh, I buy a lot of Transcend cards, PNY. These are the problem is that sometimes uh, you, uh, these cards fail, and so the pros are willing to spend a lot more money. Hey, they're taking pictures of weddings and stuff. You don't want to yeah. lose. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't want to lose the picture of the bride. That would be very embarrassing. But I think <laughs> I think SanDisk, Kingston. Yeah, or or if you know Lexar, and I would look at the prices. I think that uh, you're going to be able to get a class six or faster card for not a whole lot of money. Okay. Yeah. And then I had a question. I I you know, but I did a bunch of research. I had a spreadsheet on all the cameras I wanted, and kind of limited. You know, went down, and then I got an excellent price on this camera, nearly half price. So good job. And uh, you know, I mean, it was you know. I could hardly, you know, believe I kept looking. And then the next day after I bought it, that price was back up to normal. So I thought, Good oh, my job. God. Good job, yeah. Finally, I did something right. Now, I am you know, want to have extra batteries because I, you know, I'll be wandering around Alaska and part of Canada. Hold on a sec. We're going to take a break. Come back. Hoodman, that's right. That was the name. Thank you, Hudson. Hoodman was the uh, very expensive cards. Never heard of that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, you have a Carbonite library whenever you have some time. By yes, sir. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Vicky's going to Alaska. She's got a great new Nikon camera. She's getting her SD cards. And one of the things I want to kind of underscore this is uh, I recommend it is not getting too big of a card because the temptation then would be to fill it up before you offload it, which means if the card dies, and, and flash cards do die, Sometimes just randomly, just like any hard drive, uh, you'll lose more uh, photos. So maybe I just invest in some fours. Well, fours or eights. I mean, you, it's a balance between convenience and risk. Yeah. Uh, if you know, if you're, if truth is, if you have four or eight, you're probably not going to fill up that card. I would recommend whether you fill it or not every night offloading. Okay. And so what I did on the last cruise, I was on a long cruise. I was uh, I was gone for three weeks. So I, you know, I took something like six thousand photos in that time. Holy mackerel! Holy mackerel! I'm a little uh, over. I overdo it, <laughs> but it's digital. So who cares? And I and by the way, I shoot the full size. I don't uh, I don't compromise because storage is cheap. So what I did is I brought a laptop and two external hard drives. Not one, but two external USB drives. And every, religiously, well, I had to because I forgot, and I only brought one memory card with me. I only had one 16-gig card. I left all the rest at home. Oh! So I was forced to every night, but I think this I would have done it anyway, offload that card. So I'd copy that card over to one of the hard drives. I'd import it into Lightroom so I could work with it, but I'd keep, I'd keep a copy on that hard drive. And, and then uh, at every night I would synchronize drive one with drive two. So now I have two copies. If you, if you, uh, I didn't keep a copy on my laptop. If you keep a copy on your laptop, if there's enough room on the hard drive, three copies. And then I would pack each drive in a separate, one for carry-on and one for uh, checked luggage. Hmm, good idea. Yeah. Now, on the cruises, you don't have a lot of bandwidth. So the, the other, another good solution would be use Carbonite or something to uh, upload those pictures. But you don't on a cruise. You don't have that luxury. So that's why I always bring extra storage have a little netbook that I don't have anything on. It's got 160 gig. Perfect. Yeah, that would be great. Now, 
I'm, I, I know that batteries don't last forever, and I would hate to, you know, like I should say, have it go bad when, right, when something... I always goes. have a second battery. Now, I'm looking at not get. I well, I'll ask you. The Nikon batteries are really pricey, but I find other ones between Amazon and eBay and that. Get that, the Nikon battery. Get the Nikon, okay. The reason being, you know, there are good third-party batteries, but there are also bad third-party batteries, and a badly made lithium-ion battery can blow up. Wow. <laughs> it's not worth it. I just looked at the reviews, and if it gets like a five-star review, I figure that must be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, try to figure out who made it and if it's a reliable company. Uh, okay. I know I know the Nikon batteries are more expensive. I know. I know. Um, sometimes the cheap batteries, they leave out uh, critical circuitry that keeps it from overcharging. An overcharged lithium-ion battery is basically a bomb. Wow. So okay. just be really careful. Okay, and then just, uh, this is just a curious question now, since I have to get an icon. Um, the, uh, it says 1,050 mAh. I see some that say for the same camera, 900, some say 1,100 and 1,400. That's, I mean, just that they're available, that it'll work in Yeah, the more camera. is better, of course. But if it comes with a 1050, should, can that be exceeded? Yes. It's, the, oh. it's storage capacity, not the amount of power coming out of it. It would always be the same voltage coming out of it. But it's how much capacity the batteries have in milliamp hours. And, uh, yeah, a larger number means you, you can go longer between charges. Okay. Okay. So, but, so. I, again, I, I, I always buy brand-name batteries because I just, uh, you could lose the camera. Yeah, and me too. <laughs> and, yeah, you could have a fire in the room. They, you know, I found cruise ships don't really like it very much if you have a fire in your room <laughs> they uh, they seem to really frown on that yeah <laughs> i guess you'll be on there no, no. <laughs> yeah you won't be going back i uh, i we were lucky i was on a, a cruise a geek cruise with waz steve wozniak and uh, he got invited up to the bridge and i saw the fire suppression system that they had this was on a um, holland america cruise amazing fire suppression and they have in every room they have not just a smoke detector but a heat detector and they can pinpoint exactly if there is any problem in any room, exactly where that room is. An enunciator in the, on the bridge goes off. They have very highly trained fire teams because, as you can imagine, a ship at sea, a fire is deadly. They cannot allow it to uh, to happen. So if you had a little uh, battery mishap in your room, you'd come back and uh, your everything would be soaked in chemicals and water. And there'd be a couple of very unhappy crew members with axes <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> you definitely do not want a battery explosion on a cruise ship. <laughs> get, it's not worth it. It really isn't. Uh, get a good battery. And I, th I say get the Nikon battery. I know there are some, you know, they're, they're legitimate companies. Truth is, the Nikon battery is probably made by the same company that makes one of those third-party batteries. The problem is you don't know which one. And you could get the bad one. John and Santa Ana, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, John. Hi, Leo. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. So you want to get some movies on your iPad, huh? Yes. Um, so it's a two-step process. The first thing you do is get the m movie off the DVD mm -hmm. onto a computer. You've got to rip it. Right. Uh, uh, I have Handbrake, which is... Handbrake's the one I recommend. In fact, it has an iPad setting. In order for Handbrake to rip the DVD, though, you have to have another program that's free also called VLC, the Video Land Client from videoland.org. I'll put that in the show notes at Tech Guy Labs. You install both of those, rip it, compress it for iPad, 
copied on works great. Uh, Super PC in Virginia. Hi, Super PC. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. I thought I wasn't going to get picked up there for a second. You made it. I know you were on hold yesterday, too, so I'm glad you made it. So, uh, anyways, Leo, I have an Airport Extreme router right now, which we recently got. And we recently also got, like, kind of a shed. Sometimes I go out there for my laptop to use it. But the problem is I can't pick up any right. like, signals very good in the shed. I pick up, like, like two bars, and it's very, very slow. It's slow so there's a, um, there's a uh, technology called WDS, Wireless Distribution System, that is actually a standard designed to extend a Wi-Fi access point. WDS is supported by most routers. It's absolutely supported by Apple's Airport Extreme. But you need to buy another, like it's like a repeater, another router that you will put halfway between the shed and your Airport Extreme. And it's a it kind of boosts the signal. Uh, and as long as it can get a good signal from the Extreme, then it repeats it and you'll get a full power out to the shed. Uh, it's the Airport Express does this it's about 99 bucks it's a great little device if you're on a linksys linksys makes them it's usually a good idea to get the repeater made by the same company that made the wireless access point only because wds is kind of ill-defined and so that's implementations vary for compatibility reasons get it from the same company that made your original router so the airport extreme works very well i'm gonna ask you a few more things about that first of all i'll just give you this the shed's about 65 feet from my house i actually measured it that's fine airport stream like where is the antenna on it where would be the best place to put it near the wall so i can get a signal out well there? it's internal you just rotate it around a little bit but uh it's not so much pointing the antenna because it's an omnidirectional antenna it's it's getting it away from you know what will stop wi-fi is a metal mesh a screen a window screen bad uh sometimes Walls have metal mesh in the walls, especially if it's a lath and plaster wall. There'll be metal mesh to hold the plaster. Bad. It's, it's what we call a Faraday cage. It actually kills the radio frequency. So you've you got to just try moving it around. How far from the airport extreme to the shed? About, I think, probably about 66 or 67 See, that's, feet. See, that's within the range. You know, uh, Wi-Fi should go around 150 feet, so I think it's interference from the wall. Put it by a window. If the window doesn't have a metal screen and it, put it by a window, that helps. Uh, now, it doesn't go through, you know, walls as well as it goes through air. In fact, really, technically, Wi-Fi is line of sight it's because it's at 2.4 gigahertz. That's a microwave radiation which gets which bounces off of things. So technically, it's best if it's line of sight. So aim it at the shed. And I'll tell you, an air, if you, if, if, I mean, if you're already at the edge of the house, there's nowhere you could put an airport express to extend it. So that's not going to solve it. But if you're not, if the airport extreme isn't as close to the shed as it can get, then you could put an airport express in between the two. That might help. It sounds like it's right at the window, though, which, of course, you can't extend it. But that's built into the airport uh, software that Apple provides, by the way, WDS. It even calls it WDS. It says, you know, with the setup, I want to extend the range of a Wi-Fi access point. And it's, it's very straightforward. Just click, click, click. Make sure, yeah, that's a good point. Locke's saying in our chat room, make sure you're in N mode on your airport extreme. N goes much farther than B or G. It's good to talk to you, Super PC. Thanks for the call. Thank you all for watching. Don't forget, we put all the information about everything I talk about. Thanks to James DeRuvo. We put it on the website. It's called Tech Guy Labs. Dot com tech guy labs
Com. Uh, thanks uh, to Luis Oliveira, who's running the board. Gina Salvati on the phones today did a great job. Thanks to you all for being here. Uh, thanks, Leo. Yeah, welcome, Luis. Thanks, Leo. <laughs> and you're welcome, Gina. <laughs> and they're talking to me. You can't hear, but they're talking to me. Or either that, I'm hearing voices, which is possible. Uh, again, TechGuyLabs.com is the website. And while you're there, check out our podcasts. We do about 20 all week long on the Twit Network. That's the name of my podcast network. There's information there, too, about buying a brick for the Wall of Honor on our new studio. I'm going to have everybody's name up there in the new studio. TechGuyLabs.com. I'm Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next time. Have a great Geek Week.